Today, we are going to talk about whether or not you should become a foster parent. Should you become a foster parent? Should you definitely not become a foster parent? Let's talk about it today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. Hey there, this is Jack, and I'm here with Kat, and, you know, we were talking recently about how I often run into people, and when they hear that I'm a foster parent, they say that they had always thought about doing that. And I just think that there are some things to talk about and think about when you're trying to make that decision to become a foster parent. So we thought we would talk about that today. And I feel like there are families that would be amazing foster parents and they just never get around to doing it, maybe because they're scared of the unknown or don't think that they can. But we also have to recognize that being a foster parent isn't for everybody. And there's other ways for people to help children in foster care other than being a foster parent. And as much as we really, really, really need more foster homes, it doesn't do any good to put someone in a position that isn't a fit for them. So Kat and I came up with a list of questions to ask yourself when you're considering whether or not to become a foster parent. So let's start here. What is your motivation to be a foster parent? So everyone that becomes a foster parent has one or many reasons or motivations for wanting to do this. And I think some of those reasons make for fantastic success stories. And some of those reasons are bound to end in both failure and heartbreak. So for instance, um, I want to make some money. That would be a motivation that would not be fulfilling to you in the long run. Right. So I know that every state is different. In the state of Florida, the stipend, um, to which is the amount that you're reimbursed every month for having a kid in your home... The stipend in Florida is significantly lower than other states in the country, and uh, part of that has to do with a lower cost of living, and um, I feel like in order to properly take care of a foster child in the state of Florida with the stipend that we're given, um, you're going to be investing your own money. So if you're becoming a foster parent thinking, hey, you know, this is kind of like an extended babysitting. And, you know, that I love spending time with kids and maybe this is a good way to um, make some money. Well, I would recommend that that is not a good motivation. The thing that I think of is if you only want to adopt. Okay, so admittedly, one of the reasons that I wanted to become a foster parent was to add to my family um, through adoption. We had already adopted internationally and um, 
we knew that as a foster parent, one of the possibilities would be um, adoption at times. Um, fortunately, it wasn't the only reason that we were interested in foster care or it probably would have been a frustrating experience for us. But I think a lot of people go into foster care because they want to add to their family. And um, the thing is, uh, while, while it does sometimes result in that, that's not the point of foster care. And I think sometimes when that's your motivation, it's really disheartening to go through the process and also maybe you're not always um you know as much of an advocate for supporting the life change of their parents right it can be absolutely detrimental for the experience for the child for the parents um and it can create adversary relationships with case management judges and other people in the uh or other relationships and other systems and so even if the outcome could possibly be adoption, you could really create some enemies along the way. Um, it's not um, it's not a positive situation for the child, and so um, that would not be a good reason. Now, okay, so let's talk about that, because it is possible to adopt from foster care directly without becoming a foster parent. That's right. You can sign up to do that. However, I, through my experiences... I have seen a lot of kids um, potentially being adopted by people who weren't foster parents at first and seeing those adoptions fail because those parents had not experienced, you know, life as a foster parent, you start to understand what kids who have been through trauma are like. And you also learn like what you're capable of as a parent and what you're not capable of. So as much as, um, if you're adopting, if you're, if your sole purpose is adopting, going into foster care maybe isn't the best motivation. I feel like being a foster parent is the best preparation for someone to adopt a child who's been through the trauma of foster care. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I definitely agree with that. And, um, um, and I think that most of the foster parents that I talked to this week, um, a good portion of them said that part of the reason that they wanted to become a foster parent was to add to their family. But um, but if that's your sole purpose, then it can be heartbreaking for you, definitely. And also um, could be uh, limiting on some of these reunification processes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, sometimes you do have to go through watching kids go to relatives or go back home to parents. But if love isn't your primary motivator, then um, you're not going to be fulfilled in the long run. But if it is, then you are going to be highly fulfilled. Well, you do have the opportunity to make a difference that almost nobody else has the opportunity yeah. to make. And I would say that, like, as hard as fostering is, and as many as the negatives um, that that you can find in it, um, I, there's never been anything in my life that I've done that I've felt better about that's fulfilled me and made me happier than becoming a foster parent. Honestly, like I really, um, uh, take such, um, really fulfillment out of the kids that I'm able to get back with their parents. Like, like when a child is able to be reunified safely with their parent and, and live with their parent. And I see like these parents change their whole lives because it's not easy. Right. Like it's hard for anybody to change, but especially a lot of these parents, like drugs are involved. Right. 
trauma of their own from their childhood. Uh-huh. Um, because it has to be so bad for their kids to be removed in the first place. Right. And so if you consider how bad it has to be for your kids to be removed, there's a lot of work that has to be done to get your kids back, yeah. usually. So so when you see that happen, it's like, oh my gosh. And, and that's one of the things that I always tell people um, who are considering becoming foster parents, and they're like, I just don't think I could ever handle losing the kids or the kids going back to their parents. And honestly, like some of the hardest losses and, and I don't want to say it's a loss because like they were never mine to begin with, Mm -hmm. but, um, some of the biggest heartbreaks of, of seeing the kids leave my home that became, you know, my children for a period of time, um, the joy and excitement and, uh, pride really that you feel for the family, changing their lives and reunifying together like outweighs the sadness that I feel for myself in not having them in my life or I, and you really um it's rare that you don't have them in your life at all after reunification especially if you're able to co-parent well and um and that's not always possible but when you are um you know I have uh parents who send me pictures years later um of the children that were in my home so if I could just add this the last note you know like Watching, you know, you you have three little girls that are going home right now, and knowing that you have made such an enormous difference in their life, and that they will become mothers who were raised by their biological mother, and that they will not grow up in the system, and that their entire lineage will be different because of. Um, partly because of the difference that you made, and I would say probably largely by the difference that you made because um, you've made such a difference in the life of their mom. Um, I think that that is such a strong um, influence to provide to the world, you know? Well, but, and, and I also have to give props to their mom because, like, I have never had one of my kids' parents be more... Um, acknowledging of their own mistakes and willing to learn mm-hmm. um, and, and open to the relationship. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot there. What were some of the other questions that we... Okay, so the next one is, do you, um, do you have the patience for the behaviors? So there are some serious behaviors that we can see in foster kids, and we often, often, often do not know what they're going to be. When kids come into the care and come into care for the first time, have um, more some, often than not, you really have limited information. Very limited. Placement will call you and say this child has no behaviors, and then they come and they're smearing poop on your wall and right. throwing things. You know, there are some pretty serious behaviors. Or kids who have shown up who have had autism and nobody told the right. foster parents. They're serious, like emotional or physical um, health problems in some way that nobody really knows about because when placement gets a kid, um, you know, they, they usually were just picked up by CPI and they only know what they see. So, right. Right. And so, um, yeah, you really do need to have patience. And, you know, I have worked with foster parents who have really, um, lost their minds because the child dropped a toothbrush down the drain and, you know, it's like, well, we need to probably work on some patience because it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, like um, just some really typical, you know, behaviors and children. And, and, you know, these are kids who are dealing with some pretty serious trauma. And we have to remember that what we know of their trauma is 
almost with certainty the tip of the iceberg. Right, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we really don't know the extent of it, and often kids don't have the language to even tell us. Or they're scared to tell you because they yeah. feel like they'll get in trouble. Yeah. And so um, these kids are dealing with trauma. They almost always, I'd say 80% of the kids I work with, are dealing with significant control issues where they, they out of comfort, need to have control over their environment to feel safe. And so they are going to be doing things, you know, lying, um, stealing, uh, smearing their poop on the wall, <laughs> yeah. you know, peeing in peeing know, on boxes, the floor. <laughs> yeah. um, doing things to help them to feel safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, so you do need to have patience for some of these behaviors. And so some of them are going to be excessively well behaved and you're like, where did this child come from? Yeah, that's definitely know? true. Sometimes I have kids and I'm like, how did they come from this household when uh-huh. like they're they, they like they're more normal than you know anybody's biological children yeah. or kids who've not experienced trauma right so, you know and a lot of foster parents like really don't see a, a lot of behaviors like especially if they don't take a, a lot of kids um but most most uh, foster parents will have experience at some point in time with a child who like pushes your limits and you know, every human on this planet has uh, had things happen in their life mm-hmm. that, you know, make them triggered by certain things. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're surprised at what triggers you. And, you know, I just, uh, I think knowing whether or not, not just having the patience for a kid, because you can, you can have your kids and have patience for them, but a large portion of the children who've had trauma are going to trigger you. Mm -hmm. So you just have to know that you're going to have the patience to, um, and the calmness, because you really have to be like the calm in their storm. You have Mm -hmm. to, when they're going absolutely crazy in their head, like understand that that's probably not how they want to be acting. And, you know, if they could stop it, they probably would. And uh, your job is to just be like calm and, and kind of let them feel your calmness to help calm them down a yeah. little bit, but definitely not to be reactive, be, especially knowing that, like, a lot of them probably have experienced abuse and, you know, the littlest type of um, noise or movement can sometimes scare them a lot more. Yeah. And, and that's just going to result in more behavior. Yeah. So you have to be like a calm, patient person. Um, who doesn't blow things out of control. And so as a foster parent, there's no physical discipline allowed. And so if you're not the kind of person who can abide by that, then you are not, um, foster parenting is not going to be for you. You can support fostering other ways. You have to be able to be kind and compassionate and and, like patient in like when the world is getting thrown at you. When you've got a two-year-old little girl kicking you in the face and screaming and giving you fat lips and black eyes, like... You need to, like, just stay calm and be Uh a safe place for her. So that's definitely one of the things that I would say is that you really just need to be able to be a calm person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're easily triggered or, like, get angry very easily, then foster parenting might not be for you. And that is absolutely okay because you can support foster parents in lots of other ways. Yeah. You don't have to provide a bag. There's a lot of other ways you can 
you can provide support. But we support. really do need more foster parents. Yeah. So if you are the type of person that can be calm when the storm is raging, then, you know, we need people like you. Jen. All right. So another question you may want to ask yourself if you're considering being a foster parent is, do you have the time in the day for another child in time to be um, uh, engaged with uh, partners involved, such as visits, therapies, uh, case managers, and so on. Right. So, um, you know, taking on another child in your home isn't just going to be like taking on another child, like the children that might already be in your home, because, you know, they're, they're going to have all this extra stuff. They're going to have therapies. They're going to have to meet with their case managers pretty regularly. Um, they're going to have visits with their parents usually, they're going to have guardian ad litems that need visits with them. So, you know, it's not that if you have a full-time job, you can't be a foster parent because a lot of foster parents do have full-time yeah. jobs and, you know, they just schedule the things as they need to. But to really be a supportive foster parent, it's important to be able to have time for, you know, to, to help out with these things. You want to be involved in the visits and, you know, try and get to know their parents if possible. Um, I feel like it's really valuable to me to be able to go to court hearings and staffings and stuff like that. But, um, you know, definitely consider whether you have time for this because you might not. Um, the next question is, do you mind losing privacy with people in your house all the time? Yeah, I think, I think this is something that, um, you know, you quickly realize as a foster parent is you, you just can't be the type of person that, um, gets hung up on privacy. Yeah. They're in my house all the time. Like, <clears throat> you know, there's there's no drawers that won't open. Like, you just, you know, you just have to be okay with someone going through your stuff all the time. And, you know, people come to our house all the time to see the kids, to check on their, their living. And that's good. Like, I want yeah. them to, to be checking our homes and making sure that the children that we're caring for are being well cared for and are in safe environments. Otherwise, we're no better than you know, where, where they came from. Yeah. And you know, I think about this all the time because I am in houses often and often you know, I'm driving and driving and then I get there and often I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to use their bathroom. And people will often say, Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like, but I am in different bathrooms. I'm in different houses. I'm in different bedrooms all the time. I have no interest in going through people's stuff. Yeah. But I, I'm in people's houses constantly yeah. and I see their stuff and I often think I am in so, I'm so glad that no one's in my house constantly, <laughs> you know, cause they must do so much to prepare. Yeah. You know, you really do lose a lot of privacy. Yeah. I, I remember when I first became a foster parent, every single time someone came over, I felt like my house had to be perfect. And I remember, um, my first licensing specialist uh, she told me pretty early on, she's like, pretty soon your house is going to be so full of kids and you're not going to worry about putting every toy away every time I come over. And it wasn't too long that I was like, listen, you can come over whatever you want, but I might be in my jammies. My house might be a mess. There might be toys on the floor. Uh -huh. Like I don't worry about my, all my dishes being clean every time someone comes over. Cause you know what? We live there and we've got a bunch of kids and uh -huh. there are more important things than you know, making sure the sink is always empty. So, you know, it's, but, but you do lose the, the whole privacy factor. So if that's something that's important to you, it's something to consider if you're considering becoming a foster parent. Right. Yeah. 
Um, the next question is, is your partner on board? So this is a really important question because if your partner is not on board, then you kind of have an emergency on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think there are some times that like people really feel like they want to be a foster parent and that they'd be a good foster parent, but their spouse is not interested and either, you know, they don't get to be a foster parent and that's sad because they don't get to be, but you know what? Like maybe it's for the better because sometimes you see foster parents come in where one of the partners is not on board and it's hard. Like you really need each other to get through this. There are single foster parents. Let me start by saying that. And some, some of them are absolutely incredible, but it's, it's a lot and it's a lot to deal with, not just without someone to tag team in when you are exhausted and you need a break, but also to not have a partner to like talk things out and, you know, emotionally support each other. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree with that because, you know, there are going to be times when kids are awake all night long or someone is sick or someone's hospitalized and you have other kids at yeah. home and you really need to have a lot of support and your partner is the most important person that can support you. And if they don't want to be a foster parent and you're doing it, they're going to resent Absolutely. you for what comes into your house. Cause you really have to be on board. Like, yeah. I think, I think if, if, uh, my husband was not like excited, um, and like a willing participant in being foster parents that, um, like he would absolutely hate me by now because, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question is, do you have the finances? And so, so like we, we did mention earlier that, um, you know, when you're a foster parent, they do give you a reimbursement every month that's supposed to help take care of the kids. Most kids have, uh, health insurance when they come into care, but you know, depending on, you know, where you live, what your stipend is, um, in general, like you're going to be spending your own money on these kids. Like you're going to need to be able to financially provide for them because sometimes the stipend gets messed up and you might go a month or two or three months yeah. without any um, assistance financially yeah. for them. And if it's a sibling group of a couple of kids, you've just gone three months with uh, a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. And that's happened to you before, right? Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is like, you know, what, the, at least where I live, the amount of money that you get does not cover what they need. Um, and they come in with like usually none or very little clothes. I did have that one kid that came in. We called him the naked cowboy because he had a cowboy hat yeah. and no pants. I remember that. And, uh, it was so funny. He was know. so cute. Oh, yeah. So and he actually uh, we had him twice. Because, I remember that. Yeah. But um, he did have pants the second time he came. That's so funny. So, you know, you got to spend uh, a good deal of money on, you know, getting these kids started off when they first come to your house, when they come with no clothes and no shoes. And, you know, if you don't have the finances to, you know, have an additional kid in your home, um, despite the fact that you will be reimbursed at some point for a portion of that money, you got, you've got to have, you know, the finances to be able to take on another kid. Yeah. Because, you know, in Florida, I'm sure all states are different, but when I was in Texas, it was about a hundred dollars. And in Florida, you get 75 when you first get a child. And that's right. if you're lucky. Well, you do. I usually, okay. If the child has not been in another home, cause sometimes the kid has been in another home and they already spent that $75. Oh. 
but then they don't send you with the clothes for that $75. So you have to go and buy them new clothes and you don't have a reimbursement at all. Um, like when the girls came back into care this time, um, they had uh, been in care before, so they did not get an additional $75, but I did need to uh, spend a good bit of money to get them like school uniforms and yeah. all the clothes they needed. And, you know, if we talk about this, you know, if you've never had kids before, or if you don't really think about it, you know, underwear is what? $12 oh my gosh. a pack. Underwear socks. and socks are the worst. And pajamas. Why are pajamas so expensive? I don't know. But, you know, I was at Old Navy yesterday and I was like, pajamas were on sale for infants for $10 a pack. <laughs> For infants, though. I don't have any infants. My kids are huge. Yeah. That's for one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pajamas are so expensive. And so let's say that you're a person and you're thinking, oh, I work nights, I can't foster or whatever, or yeah, I'm just not very patient or I don't have yeah. kids, but I want to support. That is how you can support foster parents. That's a great. Purchase socks. Purchase underwear. Purchase diapers. Purchase pajamas. 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 And donate them to someone that you know that's a foster parent because that is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if just a few pair of pajamas and socks and underwear and there's your $75. Oh, yeah. Gone. And a lot of these kids either come with, uh, sometimes they come barefoot, but a lot of the times they come with shoes that don't fit them or shoes that are falling apart. Think about how much money you've got to spend to get a kid a new pair of shoes. Yeah. $75. There you go. <laughs> right. It's gone. I mean, God. that's no diapers. That's no shoes. That's no clothes. Yeah. Um, so needless to say, you need to have finances uh, available yeah. to provide for these children that are coming into your home. You do. There is a monetary commitment. Yeah. 100%. Something to consider if you're considering becoming a foster parent. The next question is, do you have the support? So, Kim, do you want to talk about what kind of support you really need? Um, so, support is, like, huge. Um, I would say that when you look at foster parents, there's a lot of turnover. And a lot of foster parents don't actually... Like, sometimes you hear about these foster parents that have been foster parents for, like, 20, 30 years. And I don't know how they do it. Like, that's amazing. But most foster parents, like, burn out after a year. Sometimes after two years. Um, you know, so I, I know a foster parent who, uh, had one placement and was like, that's it. Actually, I think I know a couple like that, but, um, with, I've always said that if I didn't have the support that I have, especially in other foster parents, but outside the foster system as well, there's no way I'd still be a foster parent. No way. A hundred percent not because there are times that are so freaking tough and I just want to like, and it's not, it's not even really the kids. The kids are usually, you know, you've got kids with behavior problems and that can be difficult. Like, you know, I've had a kid or two that just like, I, I can't even, I can't even, but you know, the real stressful, hard part of becoming a foster parent is usually the system dealing with the people, mm -hmm. um, hearing judges make decisions and you're just like, how could any reasonable human being decide that for this child? Um, so I think that without having the support system that I have, there's no way at all that I would still be a foster parent because there's so many times I wanted to give up, but I had the right people to talk to. And you know, especially when, when you have other foster parents that you connect with. And I, I've had a group like that for a few years now and, um, you know, when, when you're going through something and somebody says, you know what, I went through that too. And this is how I got through it. Like it just, it's huge. It's huge. Can you talk about the kind of support that you have? 
um, as far as other foster parents or just in general, in general. Like what has provided you with support? Okay, so I think um, I have had a huge amount of support from my friend Kat, who um, is very knowledgeable not just on the dependency system, but you know all this stuff about development and um, trauma and um, emotional issues with kids that uh, has really helped me get through a lot of it. Um, also, uh, you know, my husband is amazing. Um, I don't think that if I was married to anybody else that I would even want to do this because, you know, he, like he tags in when I need to tag out, he encourages me when I need to be encouraged. Um, he laughs with me when we're like in these crazy situations and, you know, there's nobody I would want to walk through the fire with other than him. Um, also like, uh, I think our parents have been incredibly mm-hmm. supportive. Um, his mother, my mother, my dad, especially, uh, like it, it means so much when they're so encouraging and helpful and loving and kind to my kids, you know, like whether they're there for a week or a year and, you know, our parents like are that child's grandparent while they're in my house. Like mm-hmm. that is huge, but yeah. You know, and, and having other foster parents that I can talk to and we can, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. And, and like, but it happens to all of us and all that stuff. And, you know, having people who have gone through similar experiences makes all the yeah. difference in the world. Jack, I, I don't, was it you or was it someone else who started the weekly foster dinners? Yeah, that was uh, yeah. me. And uh, it started with... Uh, uh, someone that I was in class with, and then a number of other foster parents started coming. And I would say there's probably like 15 of us that over the past like three or four years, we uh-huh. we meet um, almost every week. Uh-huh. But then, of course, in 2020, that kind of stopped. Yeah. And so that's, I think, provided a lot of support for a lot of people who really needed support at different times and a break. Yeah, yeah. Break. It's nice. We always joke, like, no kids. Don't bring your kids. We want to eat with both of our hands. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, just, like, spending that time. And, you know, we call it dinner, but, you know, a lot of the times, wherever we go, we're there till they close. We're there for, yeah. like, three or four hours. Yeah. And then um, then there's an organization um, here locally that um, you're a part of that provides support to foster families, too. And so there's a lot of support. Yeah. That you have not just benefited from, but generated. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, like, that's, like, the biggest thing, though, like, w- that we need to, like, not just care for the kids, but we need to care for each other while we're caring for the kids so that we can keep caring for the kids. Yeah. Right. Because there are a lot of kids. Yeah. A lot of kids <laughs> who need us. Because if they don't have foster parents, then they go to places like group homes. Yeah. And I can speak to that because... Um, when I've written reports <sighs> called CBHAs, you know, which happens when kids come right into foster care. Um, I've gone to these group homes, you know, in like St. Pete and different areas. And I've been there and I've seen these like 18 year olds trying to like trying to handle like a two week old, you know, and not knowing how to swaddle them and not realizing that they probably need something like um, Myla Khan or whatever. And and it's been just like absolute torture. And I'm thinking, why is this baby not in a foster home? And it's because there are not enough foster homes. Yeah, we need more. So, like, there's a lot of things to consider when you're thinking about becoming a foster home. But the truth is, like, we need so many more foster homes than we have. 
Um, because if we had enough foster homes, there wouldn't be a need for group homes. Right. And I have never had a kid that had been in a group home who didn't have horrible stories. Yeah. And maybe we should talk about that another day, some of the mm-hmm. things that happen in group homes. But um, we definitely need more foster parents. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.